In today's podcast, how God's creation can speak to us in the smallest of details to let us know that He is our master planner and we can trust His design for our lives. Hey everybody, I'm Aline Thompson. Welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast, where we believe that God's Word can transform your life one beautiful, bold, brave step of faith at a time. And if you know me, you ever have listened to any of my teachings, you know one of the things that I'm a big proponent about is studying God's Word inside of community. There's something about it that just takes your study to this 3D level. And part of that are the, not just friendships you make, but the, I would say the family ships, right? Like the sisterhood, the the sisterhood that happens inside of studying God's word. Well, today, my guest, Olivia, welcome, Olivia. Hi. Um, <laughs> she and I began a friendship together, um, studying God's word. How long ago was that? Was that 10 years ago? Oh my goodness. At least more, yeah. yeah, at least 10 years ago, <laughs> we were in a Bible study together, um, inside of church and, um, our friendship has just lasted and I consider her my daughter. So she is <laughs> completely amazing. So Olivia, I am so glad that you're here. Um, and the reason why I invited Olivia onto the podcast is because Olivia's in our treasure tribe. We're currently walking through Naomi's next chapter, which is our Bible study on the book of Ruth, which this book has blown me away, by the way. And I love how God works, like even in the smallest of details. And the book of Ruth. Um, whenever anybody thinks about Ruth, they think about Ruth and Naomi and and Boaz and that whole scenario. And it is a beautiful love story between Naomi, excuse me, between Boaz and Ruth. But it is also the story of the harvest. In the background of this book inside of the Bible, there is the barley season that is going on and the wheat season that is going on. And our God is the Lord of the harvest. He is the God of details. And so Olivia, who had some insider information into the barley and the wheat crop, (laughs) uh, shared that with the group. And and I said, oh, that's so insightful. I asked her to do a podcast podcast. Um, on this detail, because I certainly didn't know it as I was studying, and it just points to this truth, you know, that um, that sometimes inside of our lives, that we can have seasons where we don't see things growing, and it can be a time where our hope and our faith can fade. And many times in the Bible, God would use the illustration of agriculture, whether it was in the harvest or the planting, to portray who he was and to point a picture to his biblical principles and how he operates. And, you know, the the world that we look at 
is a picture of God's glory. The, the earth reflects God's glory. And one of the ways that you can see that is inside of the harvest. So I want to start out just by asking you a question. Are you waiting on something to grow that you know that God has promised you and you haven't seen it sprout yet? Well, you're going to be blessed by what you learned today about the barley and the wheat harvest and what how all that pertains to your life. So, all right, so I'm going to be quiet now. And so, so Olivia, you were sharing with us because, um, so when Ruth and Naomi leave Moab, they leave Moab. It's actually the harvest that calls them home because they hear that there's a great harvest inside of Bethlehem. So they leave Moab and they, they travel back to Bethlehem. And at the very end of chapter one in Ruth. And of course, uh, Naomi is a widow, which widows back in biblical times, they were the most vulnerable people. And then Ruth was a foreigner, but they travel back. And in chapter one, we see Naomi really grieving and very bitter about the loss of her husband. She also lost her son. Um, She had been away from her tribe. And so she returns home and there's this beautiful verse. It's the last verse in chapter one where it announces that the barley season, uh, the harvest for the barley season had just begun. So mm-hmm. of course with with harvest, there's always hope, but can you explain to us what you learned about barley that was significant that you shared with the group? Of course. Um so when I was reading through the scripture, I was just really struck by the fact that it said the spring was when this harvest was happening. And my husband has a degree in plant breeding. And so I immediately was intrigued by that and kind of started digging and asking him some questions, um, which is where a lot of this knowledge comes from. I am by no means a uh, <laughs> yeah. agricultural scientist. Or anything, and he got, what was his degree again? And it was plant breeding. Plant breeding. So that was his master's, right? So okay. he has an undergrad in biological sciences with a focus or a minor in genetics. And then he went on to study um, plant breeding with sweet potatoes and then worked with cotton. And now he's an attorney, which is a whole nother story. But um, so he's got a lot of, he's very smart and has a lot of background knowledge and understands how to read the technical research and that kind of thing. So when I, when I kind of like um, started thinking about like spring and a harvest, I was like, that doesn't make sense because we always associate fall with being the harvest. And that's like mm-hmm. a big, you know, thing. Um, but it really does like, it kind of varies by the crop. Um, but spring is not typically a time you need to do that. So I went and did a little digging and came to come to find out with barley, it's, it only takes three months for it um, to grow. And barley and wheat are very similar crops, which I have more info on that in a minute, but um, they're, they're grown very similarly. They're grown for very similar reasons. Um, And so with the, with the three months with the interesting part is they would have had to plant that in like Jan- what, what we would consider um, obviously we're in the U.S. but in January mm-hmm. so that it could be harvested in the spring which is just not a time where you're typically seeing farmers or anybody outside like oh it's like the dead of winter and it's mm-hmm. snowing let me throw out some seed in mm-hmm. a field so mm-hmm. um but when I started digging into that and then talking to my husband about it he brought up this concept called vernalization, which is basically vernalization. the idea that vernalization, vernalization. Yes, with a okay. 
Mm -hmm. Where basically some, I think it varies crop to crop, um, but the ones that have to be planted more in those cold seasons like that, it is absolutely necessary for them to go through cold temperatures, like really, really either close to freezing or just above it. For, it, it basically jumpstarts a biological process mm -hmm. that then affects how they grow and how they bud when it becomes warm. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, if you don't have good buds, you're not going to have good crop or um, cross pollination so that, um, you know, you can get seed for the next season, all these different things mm -hmm. kind of come into play with that. So if it's not super cold, then you're kind of in trouble in terms of, <laughs> yeah. um, how, but like your harvest is affected by how cold or not cold it becomes, which is really kind of fascinating and crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so then the cold season and, um, is a, is a time of darkness and cold, but that, yes. God actually uses that to produce the fruit. And without right. that, um, there would not be a harvest. Right. If there would, it would be like minimal. It would not be quite a, like my husband said, basically you'd still have some, but it would not be near, near what the fruit. it would have been yeah. Right, yeah. with the cold. So yeah. it's, it's just absolutely necessary. And I just think the juxtaposition of that picture with life is really powerful because it, winter is a time and if you study literature or anything like that, it's always associated with dead seasons and, yeah. you know, these types of things. And I think God does everything on purpose, especially in scripture. Um, and so that was just so powerful for me, like, you know, these, these dark times where it can feel, um, just really bleak and like there is no hope and to trust that those cold dark seasons where everything seems just dead and nothing is going on are necessary yeah to produce harvest within us and in our hearts um and and just even in life in general yeah. Yeah. um I just thought that was a really really powerful picture yeah that that is so powerful and you know I think that um it's just such a good reminder to us um that there is pruning, there is cutting back, there is, mm -hmm. there are dark times where we feel loneliness. And a lot right. of times, Olivia, I would have interpreted those times as I must be doing something wrong or there, you know, there exactly. must be something yes. wrong with me. And I internalize it when perhaps it is that God wants to grow my roots deeper in him to support right. the greater harvest that, that is coming. Yes. Um, and so yes. that we won't have to give out on that. And um, in the, in the book of Luke in chapter eight and in Mark four, that's where you see the seed parables where Jesus is teaching about, you know, the seeds that fell on the, the path, the ones that fell on the rocky soil, then the ones right. that fell within the weeds. And then there were some that produced a harvest 30, 60, you know, 90 fold. And so I love what you said that it, it will produce a harvest, but mm -hmm. not the abundance, which, which God right. has, uh, which God has supplied. And so, so what did that mean to you personally? Oh, wow. <laughs> Boom, left question. field question, <laughs> tossed right out. Catch that ball. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, it's just always wild and powerful to me how 
the word of God can come so alive for what we're presently dealing with and what we're presently walking through. And it's one of my favorite things about scripture that it is so just, it, it's timeless. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful about God's word. And so it's been wild walking through the study because every single week that there's been a devotion in scripture and God has just used it in such a powerful way. But I've, I've had, um, especially in the last few years, like just a season of loneliness in my own life and um, just feeling, I think, out of place and kind of wondering, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? Like, what is my first God? What do you have for me? And I know he has something um, Mm -hmm. and that he's good and that he has a plan. Um, But I could really relate to Naomi's grief, um, Mm -hmm. to just a season of feeling lost and and unsure of what was going on and really just that I, I don't know just a sense of what like what am I what what now like I'm just gonna hunker down and kind of say the course and you know yeah. hope for better and maybe it'll happen maybe it won't and so to to know that and then to have something stand out in scripture like that and kind of jump off the page at me um that I, I really I have an interest in um, horticulture and botany and everything partially because of my husband's mm-hmm. degree um, and TA'd for a botany class in college as well. So it's sort of, a, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was a powerful personal moment for me of like, hey, like, look at this in scripture, dig here a little bit more. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was pushing me to research a little bit. And um, just a, a beautiful picture of hope And one of the things God's working with me on is that I don't have to do anything sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is hard for me. I'm, Mm -hmm. I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) Yeah, and I probably will be for the rest of my life. But (laughs) one of the things that comes with that is I tend to constantly feel this need. I need to do something. If there's a problem, I need to fix it. If there's something wrong, I need to diagnose and then come up with an action plan. And I need to, you know, step-by-step figure out my issues and, and, and fix them. And I feel like the Lord through, through this, one of the things that he has impressed upon me is sometimes you need to sit back and do nothing mm-hmm. and learn and just let the, you know, when, when the vernalization happens in the cold, it jumpstarts that biological process within the plant. Sometimes I need to let the cold season jumpstart what God's going to do in me. And I don't need to try to make something it's not, or, you know, just, oh, nothing is happening. You know, like we have a tendency to feel that like nothing is happening. I need to do something. And it's like, no, like sometimes there is stillness and, and, and even a a deadness or a coldness in our lives that God is using where we don't have to do anything. We just need to sit. Um, and be obedient and be still in that. And that's very hard. Um, I think that's very, very difficult, but it's something that I'm learning right now. Um, I think the Lord's really teaching me through the scripture and through the study and, um, specifically just through looking at the harvest and the agricultural science of, of scripture, which is just so powerful. Yeah, it is. It is so powerful. Um, and that is such a gorgeous word that I know, um, is an encouragement to us all, it's an encouragement to me, you know, but just to have that hope when we don't see yet, you know, right. um, and to not internalize yes. that because I'm like you, you know, I'll want to jump in and I'll want to try to fix 
fertilize. Come on. Let's get going, you know, because then, you know, and, um, uh, but just that the Lord, you know, sometimes wants us to sit and to be still and, um, that in, inside of the seed parable in, in, uh, Mark chapter four, verse 20, it says that the seeds that were sown among the soil of a good heart, good hearted people who with patience didn't with perseverance, didn't give up. And I'm majorly paraphrasing. Um, But I love the message verse of that. It says they persevered no matter what. And so it's that perseverance. And it's so easy to teach. But then when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're in the darkness, it's hard. Right. It's hard. It's hard. It's true. And so, um, that it just supplies that beautiful picture. You know what else is neat? And I've just thought about this because um, Passover, Passover and the Feast of the First Fruits, which, you know, we've also been talking about that because that happened at the very beginning of the Barley Feast, that Passover right. is points to um, Jesus being sacrificed on the cross uh, for our sins. Yes. And then the first fruits, which is the beginning of the barley harvest, is representing that resurrection, that new life. And so in between the crucifixion and the resurrection, there were these three days of nothing, you know. And you think right. about Mary beside the tomb, and she was like, where is God? Where have they put him? Um, and that even though, you know, the Lord had told, that Jesus had told them, look, Here's how it's going down. (laughs) I'm going to be crucified. Three days later, I'll rise again. But that in the three days, you know, the the fear comes in and just that scary feeling of of being in the dark. Mm -hmm. And what a comfort for us to know, too. And I think to continue to remind ourselves of that truth, because even though the disciples and everybody else have been told a zillion times, this is what's going to happen. When it right. does happen, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Right. It's, right. Not fun. it's very, it's very uncomfortable. Like yeah. it's, it's easy to talk about things like cold death and, you know, Oh, have faith through it all. But yeah, when you're in the thick of it, in the middle of whatever your dark season is or your scary time, or you're in a season of loneliness or a season of healing from some big hurts. I mean, that's a reality. I mean, and it's, it's a hard one. It's a very tough one to have faith through and to know that a harvest is coming. Like, you know, when you're feeling like everything's just frozen, like around you, um, it's very challenging to have that faith, but so important for us to hang on to whatever, simple, beautiful truth God gives us Mm. in those moments to get us to our harvest moment that we know is coming because that's who God is. And that's what Jesus gives us. If, if you were, that's such great wisdom. Um, you know, it it could just be one verse that God gives us one verse to hang on to. Um, and uh, and I think too, just to not have shame when you do have doubts and all of that, because I think that's completely right. normal. Um, yes. If if you were to speak to a woman that perhaps is listening today that has been through, let's just call it a horrible winter, and she's in a darkness, 
what would you say to her to encourage her? Oh, well, (laughs) one, I would say God loves you right where you are in the middle of the darkness and you don't have to be pulled together, prettier, perfect with your makeup on or anything. You can come to him a sniveling, teary, broken mess, and he will love you just as much broken as he will whole. Um, and I would also say, you know, God, God wants healing for you. Um, I think sometimes we get an idea of what healing and wholeness should look like. And we tend to want to pray towards that specific picture that we have in our own mind. Um, so I'd also just encourage openness to God's healing and wholeness that he has for you and, um, say, pray towards what he has for you and not just a specific picture of what you think that needs to look like. Um, and that's scary because that requires a release and a letting go of what we want to hang on to. And when you're in a dark winter, cold, scary season, you want to cling to something to keep you secure. And we're supposed to cling to Jesus, but that is not our natural flesh way of going about things. We, we tend to want to hang on to, Oh, like a relationship or, or a friendship, or, um, even like a, it could be a place. It could be your kids, could be your marriage, could be any of these things. And sometimes God needs us to let go yeah. and sit back and be still and let him jumpstart whatever process it is in us. He needs to jumpstart to deal with our stuff that's going to actually make us better. And I'm not saying deal with stuff like there's something wrong with, you know, with you as a person, but there's always, there might be something that he wants to help you with and love you in um, and love, maybe even just love on you, but we can be so resistant to that. Um, Especially if we've been hurt, it's hard to open ourselves up to love. And so I would just say, you know, don't be scared to be messy. Don't be scared to not be perfect. Um, God can handle your stuff. He can handle your anger, your sadness, your frustration, whatever you've got to throw at him. He gave you those feelings and those emotions. And so while there is a place of reverence and respect for God, because he is omniscient and all powerful and omnipresent and created the whole universe, he can still handle whatever we've got to, to, to give to him. Um, and there's so much beauty and freedom in that. And true love is freedom. Um, and I think so many times we put ourselves in a box. I know I have a tendency to really do that when life gets messy. I tend to, to pull back from God because I feel like I can't, God is perfect and I can't give him perfection right now. And I need to, you know, hold all this stuff in and try to do this on my own. And I'm just a mess and I'm falling apart. And it's so easy to get stuck in sort of the cycle of Uh I'm just a mess. I'm just a mess and, Uh and pull back away. But God doesn't want that for any of us. Uh Um, and that's so hard to do if you have a tendency to pull back when things get less than perfect, because you feel like you have nothing to offer him, but, um, you know, he wants you and he wants your heart. And, um, I think sometimes we've talked about this a lot in group. It's, it's hard to grasp that concept because we don't know what unconditional love looks like this side of heaven. Um, there's just no way to know, no matter how perfect a relationship you've had with anybody, it's flawed. Um, and I think that's really hard for us to to grasp what his real perfect unconditional love looks like. You bet. 
You bet. I mean, because the world teaches us otherwise. It teaches us that we have to earn love. Um, what do you think? I just thought about this. And I just I just keep tossing you all these hard questions. You're doing great. <laughs> so I'm going to give you another one. What do you think the role of religion um, or uh, old covenant thinking has played with, you know, when we're in a darkness or when we want to hurry the harvest um, or that feeling of shame, like when we don't see a harvest happening or wanting to step in and wanting to fix it? Um, do you think that, you know, uh, perhaps there are some teachings whether, you know, our parents taught us or church taught us or whatever, that kind of get in the way of that? I think definitely. And I think, I think scripture can be used in an unhelpful way. Um, I think a lot of times people mean really well, Mm -hmm. even when they make that mistake. I do think there are instances where scripture can be abused um, Mm -hmm. and and used um, in a way that's unhelpful to try and manipulate. Um, But I do... All scripture is God breathed and good. And so it should not be used in that way. And I'll start by saying that, but that's never okay if someone is, um, you know, lording scripture over us as a way to get us to do what they want us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have seen that before, and that's very unhealthy and that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and God deals with that. I think, you know, that he is clear in scripture that he will deal with that. But I also think, you know, it's tough to be messy in a public space, whether that's mm. church or family or anything like that. It, it's hard. And for whatever reason, um, I think that God gives us parameters and boundaries because he loves us. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we take those parameters and boundaries and we use them as judgment sticks and rulers to measure other people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is so not what he has for us and not what he wants. Um, but it's, it's hard to open up in a group. And I think we've just almost created this sense of need, need for perfection. I mean, honestly, like is some of where I got my need to be perfect all the time was growing up in in a Christian home and in church all the time, you know, rules are kind of King in that environment. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. we do this and we do this and we do this and you'd be the good little perfect, you know, church girl. And then your life falls apart. And all of a sudden you don't know how to do that anymore. And Um, I think it's especially hard when we get taught that we need to do all these things and do all these things. And this is what a, this is a picture of what a good Christian looks like. Mm -hmm. And it never, right. This Uh is, this is, and you will, this is what it will be like. Mm -hmm. And I've heard church churches have always said, you know, life is not going to be perfect just because you follow Jesus. There's going to be hard times, but I think it's easy to say that it's another thing to walk it out Mm -hmm. in the trenches next to someone Mm-hmm. Um, and really give them the hope of scripture. There's just, for some reason, there's this, I see this big divide, um, even in the church where it's like, there's, there's judgment and, you know, using the Bible for only like co- condemnation and all these other things. And then there's people who say, no, like God is love. And yes, we want to walk in truth and be careful here. But, but the way that those two things are presented is completely different. And I don't really know how to adequately put words to it except it's just it's a holy spirit thing yeah um and so you always have to just trust the holy spirit in those moments and so then if i don't have this harvest this performance this it's all working out this way then what what did i do wrong 
you know, even right. where yes. um, I've talked to some women and, um, and they did everything right. They were rock star wives and, and their husbands had an affair. And so then, you know, what, what is wrong with me? And then, um, right. but, but the greatest harvest that happens is when the Lord is glorified, you know? Right. And so, and that it's never, it never turns out the way that we want. It never turns no. out the picture right. of the harvest that, that we want. Right. And so, um, and so even if you are walking in the dark, don't take the enemy's bait of the darkness that he wants you to walk in, which is shame and, and right. hiding from right. God, because Amen. you need to hold on and cling to that word inside right. of the harvest and and go and read John 20 when Mary Magdalene was crying at the tomb where Jesus where are you where are you and Jesus right. was right there she still didn't recognize him yet um but then um he called her name and and she turned to him and then she was filled with joy because she just knew that he was here and so you know um go to the Lord and just be with him and it's okay if you feel doubt like you're saying. Right. Um, and right. then also, I love how you brought this out. You know, are the are the ways that I'm interacting with other believers, am I providing a space where people can be messy? You know what I'm right. saying? Right, and authentic. Yeah, right. and, and authentic. Right. So that's that's awesome. So, yeah. okay, so then in, in the book <laughs> of Ruth, and I was like, can you find out about this? It switches from... <laughs> It switches from the barley to the wheat harvest. Yes. And so, um, so what, and so what is the difference between barley and wheat? Okay. So I had to really dig, I had to go straight to my husband and be like, can you, can you please like break this down for me? So he's like, he's like making coffee and getting his stuff together in the morning. And I'm like sitting here scribbling on a pad, like trying to, I'm like, I kept having to tell him, I'm like, stop, hold on a second. I feel like I'm back in college and the professor's going like yeah. 5 million miles a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All down. So um, barley and wheat, and this is going to be a little bit tricky. So bear with me here because wheat used to be very different from how it is today. Okay. So, and this was where we spent most of our time. So um, modern day wheat is very different from like wheat that would have been wheat back then. Back then, yeah. wheat was even more similar to barley. So I'm going to throw some crazy stuff out. Because we we've, we've genetically but, modified it. Right. Well, and there's, there's been some anomalies and some different things. So um, like there's genetic modification, but then there's also like breeding, like what my husband did is where you cross things in a way it could happen in nature. Uh-huh. So you don't do anything to them that wouldn't be done. So like, um, I used to work for a raspberry breeder and we would literally come and into the greenhouse. And basically what we would do is we would remove all the pollen from the flowers before it started mm-hmm. coming off of the flower. And you would collect it based on the plants as they were labeled. You would put the pollen in a Petri dish. You would label it with the plant you got it off of. And then when it became time for the pollination, you would actually get a paintbrush and you would go, you would have to make the specific crosses that the scientists wanted you to make to try and breed for certain flavors or productivity Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. all these different things. Mm -hmm. So some of it's not even modification at like a genetic level. Some of that happens 
naturally and some of that also can be intentionally done so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like three different things Mm -hmm. um but anyway so barley is a diploid so that means it has a set two sets of chromosomes basically Mm -hmm. okay so you can have um, a monoploid would be like one set of chromosomes a diploid would be two sets um there's tetraploid which has four and then hexaploid which is six Okay, so okay. I told you, girl, I'm going to get all crazy in here. So yeah, okay. and that's there for the be... barley. Yes, okay. so barley's a diploid. Barley's a diploid. Wheat used to also be a diploid before, back in what's called the fertile Wait a minute, days. back up for just a second. When you, when you say it's a diploid, that means it has two sets of chromosomes? Yes. Okay, Yes. all right, okay. Yes, so back in probably when Ruth was discussed, mm-hmm. wheat would have been the same. Okay. It would have been a diploid and had two sets of chromosomes. Um, so it's basically gone through, po- hold on, polyploidization, okay, over time, which is where today most wheat, not all, but most has six chromosomes as opposed to two. Okay. So scientists have gone back and tried to kind of like figure out what happened, but nobody was really keeping track like when mm-hmm. this took place. It just sort of happened. Um, so they, estimate that there were two different major like polyploidization events with wheat where for some reason um the poll like the pollen or the gametes which is like you know when you have something come together there it takes two mm-hmm. it's sort of like parents that make a kid mm-hmm. um the gametes instead of being singular like where we have you know 26 chromosomes and half come from our dad and half come mm-hmm. from our mom mm-hmm. basically the gametes you know it's it's one to one like kind of coming together so they think that the pollen stayed as a double as a diploid basically instead of it being a monoploid and then it crossed with another diploid and made it a tetraploid so there's like four okay <laughs> it's four chromosomes instead of two okay so the bottom <laughs> line is it used to be it's a deployed changed. which sounds like so like when to- you say that Livia it sounds like military like they were depressed. <laughs> okay, so the barley and the wheat used to be deployed. It used to be deployed, but now it's not that anymore. Now, now it's, it's not deployed. that anymore. So okay. We don't know how it got that way, but my point is they they used to be almost the exact same thing. Got it. Okay. Now they're not. Okay. So that's a very long way of saying that general thing. Um barley in terms of looking a little bit more at like a harvest point and less history mm-hmm. um their seeds are more like rice okay? okay so you know we take rice in a pot you boil it and then you eat the product of whatever you have boiled okay um i think it can be milled as well um but it's also the other big thing is it's less threshable so it's not as easily threshed to get the seed out as wheat Wheat has been intentionally like bred over time to be more threshable. So I don't know what that was like back then. It might've been easier to like, um, my husband was saying, you can literally take wheat and like rub it in your hand like this Mm -hmm. and just like across and the seeds will be exposed Mm -hmm. versus having to go through something like a big machine or all these different processes to thresh um, the barley. Right, right, exactly. So wheat's a lot easier to currently to get the seed out of, which is what you really want. But then um, you have to mill the seeds from the wheat versus the barley. You can just boil it and cook it, um, which was interesting in scripture when they were talking about eating and everything, because I remember being like, don't you have to do a little more to that? But it's like, yes, because it said they roasted the grain. 
Right. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Don't you have to make a piece of bread? Let's go Carvalicious. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so then the, so the barley did not take as much work to thresh back. Yes. Okay. So the barley is less threshable. So that's the one that's harder to work with. The wheat is easier. The wheat is easier. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Supposedly. And once again, some of this is mixed up with current versus what we know now, but that's what we know for current, like that wheat is a lot easier to thresh. Wheat is a lot easier to thresh. And I I Mm -hmm. wonder this, um, and I don't know, but this is just, um, uh, this is just so fascinating. Um, But (laughs) so in inside of the Bible, it's also, it's the end of the barley season and um, Boaz is at the threshing floor where, where he meets Ruth. Following the barley season comes the wheat season, which which we mm-hmm. had talked about. And yes. the Feast of First Fruits, which I just talked about, that's the mm-hmm. it points to the resurrection. So that comes at the beginning of barley. At the end of the barley season is Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, okay. which is fifty days. From that, and it's the end of the end of the barley season, beginning of wheat. It also points to for us the beginning of the church, and it's when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two, and there was a shift. I know there was a shift between (laughs) old covenant and new covenant, and now God was going to write the words on our heart. So the Holy right. Spirit was there to empower, to empower really us to, um, to, to have that fruit inside of our right. life. And so the Holy Spirit, right, is, you know, with the barley, like now the threshing is, is easier. That's what I is was that just amazing? thinking about. God is so amazing. <laughs> I was a godly right is, there because we were reading each other's minds. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So, and and almost like that. That's just that just blows me away. That just blows me away. It's and really cool. and even in that, this is why I love the Bible because, like we we're saying, it's timeless. But when you see these little details, then it's like yes, and he's in the details yeah. of of my yeah. life too. That's right. He doesn't waste the details. At all. The details aren't wasted. Big things aren't wasted. Nothing's wasted with God. Now, another thing that you, I know that you had mentioned is that the barley was necessary. A lot of times the barley was necessary, like, or or it helped, right? Keep the weeds down. Oh, like the filler crop. Yeah, the filler crop. Yeah. So, yes, because we had talked about, I think you had said something even in the video, the teaching video about weeds and the enemy and right yeah and so when you said that and I was studying this and we hadn't even talked yet I was like oh this is good <laughs> but so one of the things that farmers do currently with barley and with wheat is they're amazing crops to use between like a harvest of other crops that maybe take longer to grow so a lot of times farmers will even use them in between planting other things in longer seasons to keep weeds out of a field Mm -hmm. and also to increase their yield and their profits for their Mm -hmm. farm, because then they have more crop to sell, but there's very few things that you can plant that'll germinate so quickly and then come full 
come full circle basically to a harvest. It's only about 90 days Mm -hmm. um, for barley and wheat Mm -hmm. to go full tilt from seed all the way to something you could harvest. So that's Mm -hmm. really amazing. And then the other thing that when I talked to my husband about that part, he's like, well, you have to be careful. He's like, because barley and wheat are great for keeping weeds out. You can plant it really close together. You don't have Mm -hmm. to like, you know, do rows or anything Mm -hmm. like this and kind of build beds up. But he said, if you let the weeds get in while it's too young, he was Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter how good it is at getting the weeds out. He's like, the weeds will choke out those young Mm -hmm. little baby plants. He's like, they have to hit a certain point of maturity before you can kind of count on them to keep the weeds at bay, um, which is also a really beautiful spiritual picture. Yeah, that is a spiritual <laughs> picture. That is a spir- beautiful spiritual picture because you got to get the weeds right, right. away. And so <laughs> the farmer right away, yeah. Right, and the farmer has to be really diligent about taking care of those mm. plants while mm-hmm. they're young mm-hmm. to keep those weeds. Like they can't do anything about it for themselves, you know, at that yeah. stage. And so it's like. Um, you know, and God, God is able to do that, you know, for us to keep yeah. weeds out of our life and keep the enemy at bay. And sometimes I think he does that work through friends and our fa- our church family and hundred people that we need. percent, a hundred percent that. And I think that's one of the beauties about studying the word inside of community yeah. is that you know, that we like echo things and we say like our circumstances may not be exactly like it, but similar right. enough. And then when someone else speaks to what they're going through, yes. what I think is powerful of that and how this relates back to, you know, the barrenness in the barley season mm-hmm. is that you're like, okay, I- I'm not alone in my aloneness. Or I'm not alone inside of this trial that I'm going through. You know, the other Christians have, my sisters have gone through that. Um, so right. I think that that can just be so powerful. So powerful. Yes. Um, and I love And I you, love. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go. You be the barley and I'll be the wheat. You go first. <laughs> I was just going to say that's one of the things I love about the tribe is there are so many different um, ages of women yeah. and, and, and people from everywhere. And it is just, it's so rich and beautiful and such a picture of what I see in scripture for, you know, there are co- not commands, but like they treat older women as mothers, treat younger women as daughters. Like that's yeah. a biblical concept. And it's something that I sometimes get worried that we get in our little niches, like, especially in church, we, you know, I hang out with people who are my age and they hang out with people who are their age. And there's such a rich beauty when we mix, you know, that, that, you know, young, um, more mature and wise, like together and, and just like they, it feeds each other in this big, beautiful, gorgeous way that you just don't get if you miss out on that. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. I love, I love our tribe. I really, really do. And it's so fun to connect with people from all over the country and, yes, and just the, the closeness, you know, that, that we feel, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to go back to, to, and this kind of goes along with that point that you said about, you know, the farmer is diligent. We also mm-hmm. have to be diligent with our thoughts. Um, yes, I love that. That's a great reminder to me 
right now. Like, I can't be passive about my thoughts. I have to be proactive. And I think sometimes we think, I had this thought that was a negative thought. What's wrong with me? Why am I having these negative thoughts? And it's like the enemy sows those thoughts. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with you. And this is that renewing the mind. It's going to be that way for the rest of your life. You got to keep doing it. But, you know, I cannot be passive with my thoughts. I have to be proactive and to get those weeds right as they surface. So that's why the Bible says take every thought captive. Yeah. We're supposed to take our thoughts captive, not let them take us captive. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) We take our thoughts captive. We don't let wait say that again our we, thoughts take us captive we, we that's don't so good okay say it one more time because it's just so good <laughs> we take our thoughts captive we don't let our thoughts take us captive Whew, that is good well this was so powerful i <laughs> love this so remember remember this wisdom that olivia has shared is that god loves you inside of the okay. darkness yeah. He's he's using it to support a greater harvest that is to come and release what that harvest is supposed to look like and just right. surrender to the Lord. Um, don't hurry the harvest, right? Don't step right in front of it. So, so right. easy for me to teach that. <laughs> I know. So, um, and then be diligent, be diligent to get rid, to get rid of those, those weeds. Um, Olivia, thank you so much for sharing this awesome insight into, well, thank you. Uh, into barley and wheat. And I, I need to go get like a stalk of wheat or something at Holly Lobby <laughs> now so that I can remember <laughs> that the darkness, the loneliness, the wilderness season is necessary for a greater harvest is on That's the right. way, on the way. That's right. Thanks yeah. so much for joining Thank in. Thank you. That's so much fun. <laughs> I know. This was great. We'll have to do it again. Hey, well, thanks for <laughs> listening in, everybody. And as always, we would love to have you come and join our lively tribe. So check that out on yeah. the Treasured Ministries website. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.